It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the Last Tackle podcast here on loverugbyleague.com, the ultimate home of everything rugby league on the web. I'm James Gordon, joined as ever by Drew Dabshire. And this week in the hot seat, we've got Ian Smith. Ian, thanks for taking your time out of your busy schedule. Ian's off to do an offload session I am as part of your state of mind work, so nice, convenient. We will interview someone whose surname isn't Smith at some <laughs> point. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, for coming along, Ian. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave your comments um, as well. Let us know what you think of anything Ian says as well. Don't be too abusive, though. Um, <laughs> can we just start? We'll just look at uh, last weekend's start of the Super League season because there's a few things I want to talk to Ian about in particular. We'll start Wigan, Wigan against Warrington. Um, Drew, you covered the game for Love Rugby League. Um, a win for Wigan, but I suppose there was no losers, if you like, on the night because Warrington did get a bit of raps for the way they played with, with 12 men. Well, no, I actually thought Warrington were the better team uh, on Thursday night and I thought they, they would have won had Chris Hill uh, not been dismissed early doors. It was a, a sending off ball, let's face it. He, he knocked Sam Paul out uh, for a couple of minutes be, before he was taken off the field. Sam Paul. Uh, 50-50 for this week still um, with these concussion protocols still to, mm. to take place. Uh, I was really impressed with Warrington. I think they've un- unearthed uh, a gem in Matty Ashton who, who was uh, a, a star at Swinton in the Championship last season. Um, but the, the really promising signs for, for Warrington. I was a, a little bit disappointed with Wigan that they just continued to, to take it through the middle. I don't think they, they shipped it to the centres and wingers enough uh, and stretched Warrington. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, they got the job done. Uh, two points for, for the Cherry and Whites. And, and let's let's uh, look at the positives from Wigan's point of view. This time last year, they were on minus two um, and now they're on two points. So uh, it's good signs for, and promising signs for both teams. Yeah, I think, I mean, I said this to Steve Price yesterday at, at their press conference. It's like, as much as they're getting good raps, they still lost. And mm. I suppose as much as people might say we can struggle, they still won. Yeah. You know, so it, it's one of them. No complaints to the Reddy and Chris oh, Hill? Oh, no. No, I think it was it was a, a, a straight red, direct contact uh, to a player uh, who's going over to score a try. So, a clear penalty try. Uh, and, and, a, and to be honest... 
I thought it were a grade C. You know, when I saw it, I thought he'll get a grade C, and, and the grade C is about right. Three matches, uh, he won't have an EGP, so I assume he's, he's no, not going to appeal. Not appeal. No, they're, they're, they're just going to accept it. People say, what else can he do? A player's going over, but you can't swipe yeah. somebody around the chops. Well, that's it, I suppose. Is that a difficult sometimes when there's no malice? There was no, no. malice in the tackle, no. but ultimately... You know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, you've got accidental, deliberate or reckless, you know, and it, it came in the reckless. You yeah. know, it clearly weren't deliberate, but it, it comes on the reckless, and a reckless talent challenge like that is a grade C all day long, and quite rightly, a penalty try. One or two people, especially on social media, said that, you know, that the video ref bailed him out because it took so long before the referee sent him off. But at that moment in time, the paramount importance is a player getting treatment mm. why rush why rush it why say right Chris you're off mm. let everything calm down get the information from the the, the video ref your heart, his heart rate will be going at that moment in time first you know for Chris Kendall first game of the season you know emotions are running high and there's a potential to send somebody off which has a massive impact on the game because yeah Warrington I thought was with 30 men would have probably won that game but they didn't so for the referee it's a massive decision so take your time get the information from the video ref collect your thoughts and then quite correctly are sending off is it, it is important to take that stock as a referee because you don't always get that time do you it's easy to yeah. I mean you see it more in football where the red card comes out straight yeah. away don't you how important is it to, to take that step back and almost collect your thoughts before making such a big decision very much so, because, uh, like I said, when you see an incident like that, your heart rate is really incredibly high to start with, but then, boom, it goes to another level. And sometimes when your heart rate goes to that another level and the adrenaline kicks in even more, it's just about deep breaths, gather your thoughts, get back in the room, so to speak, and then you can make a rational decision based on the correct information, either from your touch judges, from your video ref, or what you, you clearly see. Mm. You know, so it is important that you take as much time as you need. How much of an impact does the screen have on, on what you're doing for them TV, you know, for what the referees do on the TV games? Because, you know, I presume it's a completely different environment doing a, a TV game than it is doing a non-TV game because I suppose once once the incident's happened and it's not on TV, no one can see it again. No, no. Well, the, the big screen for the referee is immaterial. You know, yeah. don't look at it. Yeah. The, the, you're right. Because there is a big screen, clearly then there is a video ref. And now uh, the video ref can give input to, mm. to the referee regarding foul play. They couldn't when I was a referee. Right. That's something that's been brought in over the last four, possibly mm. five years now, where the, the video ref can look at an incident uh, in all its replays and then say to the referee, right, in my opinion, uh, Chris Hill, in, for instance, has hit Sam Pell, direct contact to the head. Mm. It's a red card for me. If the, if the referee, who has ultimate charge, he says, no, I think first contact on the shoulder, he, he doesn't have to go with the video ref. But to be honest, with all the replays that they have and the amount of time, you'd be, I wouldn't say you'd be daft. Yeah. But you've got to be really strong in your conviction to go against what a video ref will give you. And I suppose replays. you've got you've got all the fans up in arms because they, you know, especially yeah. the whole, if it's against the home team yeah. or whatever, they can see it. And I mean, how difficult is it to not, if, if, when you were a referee, to not look at the screen? Uh, never did. But, but do you, did was it not was it really hard to fight that urge to? to um, oh, when when I say I never did, there's times where like you're giving a penalty signal and the screen's in the corner and you you think you're checking your air. You know, you, you're just, well, you just think, Oof, you know, yeah. especially when the crowd go up. Yeah. And you have players that are scrum down. If you give if you give a, a knock on and they think it's wrong, they'll be saying, "Look at the screen." Yeah. 
don't want to look at the screen. Yeah. You know, let's get let's get on with it. You know, and some of that's a little bit kidology. You know, the older players uh, be saying, "Hey, Ian, have a look at the screen. Yeah. You got that wrong. You got that wrong." You know, even though you might not have done. You know, and sometimes in your ear, your video ref will just say, "Take notice. You got that right." <laughs> Maybe not in my case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other incident before we move on from the Warrington Wigan game was this charge down. Now I really like engaging with you on Twitter, Ian, and, and if you've not got Ian on Twitter, he's great to have. Um, <laughs> So this, the charge down incident, I think it was Jason Clark had come through and he'd sort of, it was last tackle and he just sort of kicked it. Fullback kicked stuck it. his hand out, it's hit his hand, yeah. it's gone down. Yeah. You know, I, well, it, it wasn't a knock-on, it was a charge down, but obviously people thought it was a knock-on. Mm. I, I mean, I must admit, my understanding, well, I just thought knock-on as soon as I seen it. But you, can you just clarify what the why it wasn't a knock-on and why a charge down was the correct decision? Yeah, a, a charge down is where... Um, it's a kick from a rising ball. So if, if I kick the ball two inches off the ground and the ball is rising, it doesn't have to be up here. Mm. As long as the ball is rising and you put your hand out or your arms out uh, or any part of your body and block, the, but obviously a knock-on is from the yeah, other yeah, arms. Yeah. But if you put your hand out, as long as the ball is rising and it, it's your hand and goes forward, well, yeah, goes forward, it's a charge down. Mm. You know, people say, well, he was playing at it. But to be honest, if you was running at me and kicked the ball and I run forward and put my hand out, yeah, I'm still at playing it. at yeah. it. I'm still coming forward. It, there's nothing to do with coming forward or playing at it. it it's all about the angle of the ball. Mm. So the ball has to be rising. Once it's reached its peak and it's on its way down, then it becomes a knock-on. Having said that, sometimes over that distance, it's so difficult. If the referee had given a knock-on, he'd have probably got away with it in review yeah. because it was so close. Everybody have accepted it. However... In law, he got it right because mm. it was a kick that was rising uh, and the player, he can play at it because it's from a rising ball, so that constitutes a charge down. And it must be so difficult to make those decisions in that split second because, like you know, like I was saying, if it was a dummy half passing from the floor and a, and a mm. player's put his hand yeah. out, it's a knock-on. It is. It's almost like the exact same action but from yeah. a pass instead of a kick. Absolutely. But, but it must be so difficult to... But you just hit the nail and the head. One's a pass. I yeah. think somebody on Twitter said, well, if I pass the ball from the ground and it's rising, then he can knock it down. No, yeah. that's a pass. Yeah. A charge down has to be from a kick where the ball is rising. Mm. Uh, and it's cl- clear in the rules because I actually... Tweeted yeah, the, the page. Well, that's why I like to say that you're, you're like the Oracle on Twitter <laughs> on match day. I'm not quite sure whether Oracle's <laughs> the right word, but uh, you know, I, I always have a rule book next to me. You know, I've case. got my remote control of my rule book <laughs> because a lot of time it's, it's not that fans get it wrong by choice. They just don't always know the rules. The, yeah. the rules are but there's so many, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's so many. And then there's little policies that come out. Obviously, now with the new play the ball rules yeah. about being off balance and playing and making an attempt with your foot. And, you know, they can't make a new booklet every time for the new rules. So they, they have a policy document and guidelines for each season where they, where they change it. And it, it's, it's up to obviously the practitioners, the referees, to understand it and the players. But the fans, they don't. They just see it in its big entirety and that looked all day long to be a knock-on mm. however in fine detail by the law which which that's not a new law that's probably 1895 yeah. law it's a charge down and, and the ref were, was quite correct and again you said how do they get that sometimes it's gut feeling sometimes it's being in the right position and sometimes a bit of luck mm. or not depending mm. on whether you get it right or not how, how hard is it for you on a match day when you see people giving the ref abuse obviously knowing from yourself being in that position um, I feel sorry for the refs uh, you know I just think you know especially now with what I do with state of mind and, and how prevalent you know mental health how important it is 
you know, because everything's always been, it's an alpha male sport, it's aggressive, it's very physical and this and the other, but it's also very emotional and very, very mentally taxing. Uh, and again, what I do with state of mind, with how important mental health is and physical health, you know, that level of abuse and that level of negativity does have an impact. For some, it's massive. For some, they might brush it off. Mm. And great, mm. you know, but the difference between mental health and physical health, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Some things really upset some people, some things, it just goes washing straight off them. You know, and, and I love a debate on rugby league. You know, I could talk about it all day, uh, which generally I do. Uh, and I love it. Most people say, well, you're taking the passion out of it if you can't shout to the ref. No, you by all means shout um, at the ref but not to the ref, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't... Don't, abuse, don't, don't, don't call abuse, him or whatever. Don't yeah. call him. You know, but oh, come on, referee, what on earth have you given that for? But not you, yeah, yeah. effing, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it's always that but that comes on the end of it. That's just daft. Enjoy the game. Don't make the referee the centrepiece of, of all the negativity. And everything that's wrong with the game always seems to end up at the referee's door. Mm. It's not right. We'll talk a bit more about uh, State of Mind in a little bit. So the other games at the weekend, we saw Hull KR um, surprisingly beat Wakefield Drew, do you think? 30-12? You, you, well, in I, fact, you tipped it. I, I tipped in fact, in fact I'll have to mention this now. Is Drew, Drew is the current leader in the me- joint leader in the media tipping league. Yeah, he got eight, a score of eight. I, got, well, I, only got one, I only got one game wrong, which were obviously Catalans and beat Huddersfield. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I thought... Okay, obviously with, with what's going on in recent weeks, I think they'd want to play for Mossimo so and want to put a good performance in for the fans. Uh, they certainly did that. I don't think we were quite expecting that scoreline from from Okay. That was quite impressive. Ben Crooks on four fire, uh, four tries for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Wakefield could could be in for a, a rocky road this year. Uh, I think they could they could struggle. Well, Danny Bruff got his ace. Well, it was a suspected ACL. We don't think it's as bad so as that. For two to three weeks. Yeah, so that that was lucky because you'd imagine if they'd have lost him, yeah. you know, they'd have been looking. Did, did David Fafita play? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah because he, he's. You know, he's a massive catalyst for everything they yeah. do going forward, don't they? I think they're wait for the one of them teams, and there's a couple of teams that are in this boat that if they can stay injury free, they could finish however hard they want. But if they get a couple of injuries, you can sort of see them finishing. Yeah, and I think they're just they're lacking depth, aren't they? This year, Wakefield like well, the one to seventeen is pretty strong on paper, but it's um, when when them injuries do start to occur, and we 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 seen it last year with Trinity, they had a yeah. six or seven out towards the back end of the season, and they just. Uh, well, well, they were in the relegation fight, weren't they, alongside London? Uh, I think they could be in for a tough year, but Hull KR, they're like, I think everyone in the media tippings has uh, predicted that Hull KR are go down. And, uh, Tony Smith will love that. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, a bit like London last year, everyone had written them off, and obviously they just, <coughs> they just had an attitude where they almost had nothing to lose when they went into the games. Ten matches. And, then they, well, and, they took, and it wasn't that just the fact they won ten, they took it to the very last game mm. of the season, didn't they? And I mean, if we could have that every year, we'd be laughing. Uh, other results, St. Ellen's 48, Salford 8 in a repeat of last season's grand final. Um, Toronto's first Super League game ended in defeat, they lost 28-10 to Castleford. Um, we mentioned Catalan lost 32-12 to Huddersfield I was actually one of only six people to predict the Huddersfield win I have to mention that um, and Aiden, then, Aiden Caesar stole the show didn't he well, yeah, by all I, I, we I, didn't I, watch I, it of course well, because obviously there's no TV yeah. deal Catalan's haven't got a TV deal this year Ian had to walk the dog on Saturday night uh, probably then, it's that very disappointing not. to be fair that they've not got a TV deal and we can't yeah. see teams playing Catalan's because um, every, every 
fan wants to watch the, the club and then mm. when they go over there they can't afford to go to go over to Perpignan and uh, Israel Fellow started training with, uh, on this with the Dragons uh, this morning Right. Um, and another game that we've not mentioned, Hull 30 points to four winners at Leeds. They were pretty impressive, were, were Hull. Uh, I, well, yeah, I could come yeah. in. I, I thought thought they were tremendous. Mm. I thought they dominated every every facet of the game. They were stronger, they were quicker, they had direction. Um, I thought Leeds were a little bit more dimensional, a little bit of a scoop from dummy yeah. half, running up out of blind alley, and, and the kick chase weren't great. But I think that come off the, the back, they were just... Back of a beaten pack, mm. and don't all look strong. Well, that's it. I mean, you look at their outside backs; are probably bigger than quite a few teams' packs. And no, they, they, they're very impressive, aren't they? I thought I was impressed with Manu Mao and uh, Liggy Sal for for Hull. I thought they did some damage through the middle. Uh, but as you say, their outside backs they're formidable as well. You've got Maya Fenua, who's <laughs> who could probably play in the front row. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think we lead. In attack, they just didn't look like they had a plan B. Uh, that when the plan A weren't working, they just tried to throw the ball around, and then they just end up knocking on, and they come up with errors. And I just didn't, I didn't really like the structure of Leeds going forward, and I just don't think it was working for them. It was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Leeds. As well. I mean, obviously, defeat's always the worst thing that could happen, but because they're trying to get a new era going and a new direction and all that, you know, suffering such a heavy defeat, you know. And I, comparing the forward packs, I just, I just. Are Leeds big enough in the forwards? Well, especially when you, can, <laughs> when you compare it to old, definitely not. But I just think, looking at Leeds' pack and what they've had in recent years, I just, I just I thought it was a little bit light. But then wouldn't it be the most whole thing ever if they lose this week in the derby against Hull KR? Oh, yeah. And, and it, that's that's the big thing with Hull, isn't it? Because Hull KR has shut a lot of us up, wouldn't they? Yeah, they, I mean, they you, you look at Hull every year and you almost think, you know... They've got yeah. a good team, yeah. and then they, so that's a massive thing for all this season. Isn't it? Just trying to prove they can do it consistently week in week out. It was interesting what Lee Radford said in an interview where he was talking about the hardest job for him at the moment is trying to find a place for the four or five mm. players who aren't in that that seventeen. You know, because there's nothing worse than when players aren't playing. Mm. You know, like for a referee, there was nothing worse than when you weren't in Super League. You were frustrated. Mm-hmm. You were angry. You were, you know, <laughs> you know. And then if you're not careful, that can create, you know, a bit of unrest. Mm. So he's got to be really smart how he rotates his troops. And uh, but well, it's a good problem to have. have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Brian McDermott would like to have that problem, wouldn't he, at Toronto? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, in the Championship, there were wins on the opening day for Featherstone, London, Halifax. Witness Whitehaven, Swinton and Lee. Uh, Halifax actually scored last minute. Oliver Roberts, they beat Sheffield 18-17. So that was a... Oliver Roberts, I, I think I text you, didn't I? Because I was thinking, Oliver Roberts playing on dual reds for Halifax when two seasons ago when the World Cup was on, he was like, Huddersfield, they were talking him up like a big... You know, he was playing for Ireland and doing really well. And obviously there's been talk this week of him going to Salford. Bit of a surprising yeah. one there, but... It's, it's, good, but it's interesting because I, don't, I just don't think... Sam Wolf has been a massive fan of, of Ollie Roberts and his playing style at, at Huddersfield. Like, because there's been, there was a few times last season when he just wasn't included in the, the 17-man squads. He might have been in the 19-man squad and then missed out on the, on the final match day one. So I just don't think he's he's been really in his plans. In um, so play the balls, Ian. Yeah. So obviously this, this new sort of directive came out and obviously you'll, you'll, know, you'll be much more interested in it than I am. Um, Tell me your position on the play the ball. 
you know, do you think it's right that they're, they're saying that the foot needs to touch the ball? Uh, I think they need to make a better effort um, than, than they had been doing. A lot of the time it was just that flat-footed step over. Mm. Um, where, you know, the, the needs to be... Whether they need to touch it with the foot every single time or not is another debate for another time but the need certainly needed to be a better effort now a lot of the reason why it was a poor effort would be because the ball carry was trying to play it too quick so he was off balance so I totally get why they said look you need to be balanced and, and stood up a lot of the time it, the ball carry tried to play the ball when the defenders were still on him so mm. again it was all about balance so because the ball carry wasn't balanced he wasn't playing it as well as he should do so I, I get uh, why they've tried to to come up with the, the rule, the changes. What I don't really struggling with is how that is a scrum. How, how on earth, if, if somebody's off balance or somebody don't make a genuine attempt to play the ball with a foot, how is that a scrum? Rather than a penalty. Rather than a penalty. So let, let's just say, for instance, there are on average 250 play the balls in a game. So if you get 90% of them perfectly correct, mm. that means you've got 25 which aren't. So 25 which aren't, if you were to penalise all them 25, and to be honest, we don't get anywhere near 90%, just let's say yeah. Utopia, we get 90%. That means if you scrum it down and it's 30 seconds of scrum, the referee is going to take 12 and a half minutes mm. of non-playing time by having, you know, 25 scrums mm. for incorrect play the balls. So all, all of a sudden, the refs aren't going to do that because... It's just going to come back on them. I don't get why it's a scrum. If you don't play it correctly, it's a penalty. You give them the ball, they kick it to touch, it takes seconds. Mm. It's not a case of scrum down, you're head and feed, shot clock on, bang, 30 seconds, the ball comes out. It just delays it. And what that means is that referees are thinking, I'm going to let that one ride yeah, because yeah, yeah. we've already got a game where we've already got 10 or 15 natural knock-ons. Mm. So all of a sudden, the referee's going to add another 20 scrums. Is it... I mean, my, my position on this is obviously everyone likes to quick play the ball, but sometimes you go to games and the play the balls are far too quick because ultimately if a team gets on the front and they're playing the ball lightning fast, they're just scooting up behind them and they can make 70, 80 metres and that's not what people no. really want to see. On the flip side to that, if you were giving penalties for every incorrect play the ball and people were getting piggybacked 30, 40 metres up the field, and I think I, I, my impression is that that's why they haven't done it that way. But why couldn't you just reset the play the ball and just say, play the ball again? Because then it takes you back to the playground, doesn't it? You know, time off. Oh, you've not quite done it right, so yeah. we'll give you another go. These are professional players. Mm. They should be able to do it. Unfortunately, the culture and the training that they do. When I used to do my warm-up pre-game, and I know the refs will do it now, as you're doing your warm-up around the pitch and you're getting yourself into the zone, you see teams, and you do it when you turn up to a game. You watch the teams when they go through their pre-match drills. It's all about mapping. It's all about getting the ball. It's all about hitting with the shoulders. But then when they recycle the ball, they literally just throw yeah, it between yeah, the legs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's not a facet of the, of the game that they think is important. So then when they kick off, boom, that's still in the mind. Mm. That's still in the psyche and that's still in the memory bank. So get them to play it. Change the culture. And, and I think scrumming it will not change culture because the refs will be frightened of, of giving 10 scrums because I've already had 15 scrums you, because it's February, the weather's bad. So do you think that's why we didn't see many of them? Because I think it was the one early on in the game at Wigan and then they just sort of, it was almost like forgotten about a bit there after were, that. There were three in the whole Leeds game. Ben Thaler penalised right. three. Uh, all three, as, as per directive, was right. The player was falling over, he was off balance. One of them, he clearly got his foot to it 
But because he was off balance, he played it off balance and, and he give a scrum. But there was another 50 minimum where there were clear step overs. So mm. it weren't penalised because I don't want to go down that route. I'll go, mm. I'll go down the obvious ones where he's off balance. Yeah. But if I could throw a few penalties in there, which, which don't take a lot of time up, you know, you can get on with it quick and that sends a, a, a more serious message. And I'm just really struggling why the laws committee would, in my opinion, throw the refs under the bus. They've mm. absolutely thrown them. Give a scrum, take more time out of the game. Mm. And they might, they've just, they just launched them. Is, it not, is there not an argument to say that if they blew for everyone straight away, then that suit, the players would soon do it properly? You know, like, so if I started blowing the whistle, I mean, that's a theory you see banded about all the time, isn't it? Yeah. But is that in practice the case, what happens? Uh, it doesn't happen. You know, uh, they, they talk about these purges and, and it's just tried to, um, you know, shock players into doing what's right for the game. But they soon get back into bad habits. Mm. So it might be all right for three weeks and then they might have a couple of weeks and then, yeah, it's brilliant. And then it'll lapse again. And it's just this uh, ebb and flow of highs and lows of, of players just not being able to do it right. Uh, and I just think by, by having a scrum, it just takes too much time out of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's a nonsense to have a scrum. Do you think? Yeah. So do you think scrums should be scrapped altogether? Oh no, no, I like scrums, but I only like scrums for kicks into touch, knock-ons, and forward passes. I like the fact that you get twelve players plus the two scrum halves out of the way to give the backs a little bit. And it's not if if not, it's just like American football. It's just a full line of attack against a full line of defence. Mm-hmm. At least with a scrum, you can put little players on. You can put a short side play on or run a whatever against a, a wider gap I, I have no problem with scrums whatsoever but I don't want to see 40 of them in a game I'm quite happy to see a dozen <laughs> yeah. you know um, I wanted to ask about Toronto uh, and specifically about Sonny Bill Williams now Drew wax lyrical about Sonny Bill but the, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you Ian is as a referee did you ever get like starstruck you know, like when you're refereeing a game and like say Sonny Bill, you know, obviously when you're at the scrum and you know, yeah. you're there and you're, yeah. you're tidying your mic up and stuff and Sonny yeah. Bill just walks up next to you and he's yeah. packing down. I mean, what's that like? Um, <laughs> quite quite funny. Uh, Warrington here, uh, first year of my Super League career. Alan Langer, absolute legend. Legend of a game and I give a, a forward pass against him uh, and he just put his hands on his, on his hips and just looked at me. Uh, and I've seen the video of it because it was a Sky game and you could see me like uh, imitating the forward pass because it just like you know how on earth have I give this forward pass against the, the, the great Alan Langer and he, he didn't show me any dissent I just gave this forward pass and he just looked at me and just gave me the look and it was like oh my god how on earth can I penalise the great Alan Langer and then once you realise that you know I'm a better referee than Alan Langer is yeah. he's a better player than me but we all each have a role uh, and when you when you're in that when, when you're on that pitch, you know you're the best at what you do on that pitch at that moment in time. So don't try to be a a, a sunny bill. Don't try to look up to him. You know he knocked on twice in yeah. his first two things. You know he's not invincible. He, he's a human being, great rugby player, per se. You know and he's got a lot to learn. Mm. But uh, but no, um, just to share Stacey, it. Stacey Jones and Alan Langer were my two that I used to think. Oh, God. Just a shame that refs can't swap shirts with players. <laughs> I suppose it's yeah. not the same when refs just swap shirts with no, the touch. No, I, yeah, I think uh, 
I think that good. I know when we used to go to Catalan, you'd have a lot of fans there saying, uh, "Just put this scarf around you, and just, oh, just put this shirt on, and let me have a picture taken with you." No, why not? Because if I'm there holding, holding a to Wolves top, you know, I'm finished forever. You know? oh, don't be so miserable. No, I'm sorry. As much as you know, I'll shake your hand. I'll have a picture with you, but not holding the scarf. Um. Drew, we'll move on to this week then. So, England new coach, Sean Wayne, you went to the press conference um, on whatever day it was, Monday. Give us your thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy, to be honest, uh, that Sean Wayne's been appointed. I think he is the right man for, for the job. Uh, I think Wayne Bennett did a decent job with England, obviously. He didn't do a good job with Great Britain last year. He did a good job with England, but I thought, I thought he took England as far as he could. Uh, and I think Sean Wayne could take England to to the next level. It's a perfect appointment, really. Sean Wayne obviously out of a job, having recently left Scottish rugby, um, and I've, he's one of one of the best English coaches in the game, in my opinion. If not the the, the best English coach uh, in the game, I think he, he spent eight seasons at Wigan, three Grand Final titles, a Challenge Cup, a World Club Challenge. Uh, he's got a pretty impressive record, uh, and what I'd, obviously he's, he's renowned for for bringing the kids through at Wigan, uh, and I think him being England coach, he'll bring the next generation of talent through uh, England as well. He won't just uh, he won't just rest his shoulder, so to speak, on the older heads in the England squad. And I, I think he'll give plenty of de- debuts out to to the young kids as well who are, who are impressed in Super League. It's funny that. Um... If the Great Britain tour hadn't have happened, Wayne Bennett would probably still have the England job. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and but I think it's important now we've got a new England coach that the Great Britain identity doesn't just mix with the England identity. So you don't like you don't want Wayne year. as Great Britain coach. No, I, I wouldn't have Wayne as Great Britain coach. And you wouldn't have Wayne Bennett, presumably. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd, the the obvious candidate for the Great Britain job uh, is Daryl Pearl, in my opinion, and I've. Wayne is England and Darrell Pearl is Great Britain and completely ensure they are separate from one another because last year Wayne Bennett made a couple of comments didn't didn't say after a, I think it was a Tonga test match um, where, he, where he hinted that Lachlan Coop because he doesn't qualify for England that's why he didn't he, he didn't play after Same the first Egan test race, exactly yeah. um, so I think it's very very important that GB and England uh, a completely separate moving forward, but on the England front, I'm I'm made up that that Sean Wayne's been appointed, and uh, and Kevin Sinfield stepped down from his role with the RFL, which we sort of feel is a good move for him because he needs folks on Leeds. But I was quite surprised Ralph Rimmer said they're going to look to replace him. I would have thought that now they've got full time coaching, does that role become? Yeah, I I was kind of wondering that a little bit because obviously Sean Sean Wayne is, is the type of coach that he'll watch every Super League game. Uh, every single week, he'll probably watch it a couple of times over as well because uh, he's obsessed, obsessive over over that kind of thing. He, and that's what he used to do at Wigan. He used to watch American football games to see him as a, a player who caught his eye and stuff like that. So uh, I thought well, Sean Wayne could have filled that gap of rugby director a little bit. Um, so I, I, I kind of think, is it going to be a part-time role for the rugby director? Did they need a? Because I, I mean, sure. can I come in? Yes, yeah, I got it. No, I. I Jamie Peacocks, the team manager. Kevin Sinfield was a conflict of interest because of his his time. I don't yeah. mean a negative conflict of interest, but he 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 come, you know, he was you director of the Leeds and director yeah. of performance at the RFL. Where Jamie Peacock 
could be direct performance director and, and, and be team manager and yeah. liaise with Sean Wayne as well. But do you uh, feel that like Kevin Sinfield's role was only there because Wayne Bennett was in Australia? I think so. I think it was a conduit between um, the Super League uh, and, and Wayne. Mm. You know, Wayne Bennett. And, and it clearly didn't work because of the Great Britain thing. You know, mm. and, and to be fair, they, did, they had enough players that they should have got to that World Cup final. You know, they didn't. I don't think they massively overachieved getting Back to a World Cup final. final. Mm. And I think I think it's important to rem- to remind ourselves of how far we were at that World Cup, Cup final. I, I know the, the score was only six 0 to Australia, but I don't think if the, if the game were played for another three days, I don't think <laughs> England would have beaten Australia. Um, yeah. Everyone goes on about like we was an ankle tap away yeah. from winning the World Cup and everything, but. Even if Watkins had scored that try, it would have only been six all. Australia could have scored again. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we, we were as close in twenty seventeen as, as people some think. people. Well, as much as Tonga have improved and stuff, at the end of the day, it's a three horse race, or it has always been a three horse race between Australia, England, and New Zealand, and yeah. anything finishing third is just a minimum expectation, isn't it? Finishing yeah. second is slightly better than expectation, yeah. but ultimately, it's not a massive surprise. Um, Luke Thompson, an England player who's going to play in the NRL um, next season. He's gone from St. Helens to Canterbury Bulldogs as well. It'd be interesting to see how Sean Wayne's picks differ from Wayne Bennett, whether he sticks with the same players or... Oh, I've, uh, well, he, he insisted at his press conference that he will pick the best players who are available for, for England. And that whether goal, they're Australian, that goes, Portuguese well, or that, that, Well, that goes for uh, overseas-born players as well. He said... He will be, He will pick the the best players who are available for England. I don't know if that will change in time. I I'm not going to lie. I can't imagine Sean Wayne picking Australian born players. Um, what about St. Ellen's born players? <laughs> I, I think I think he'll oh, be okay. Well. Australian born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did ask. I know Alex Wormsley isn't St. Ellen's born, but I did ask him yesterday. I said to him, I said, "Do you think that playing for St. Ellen's might be a disadvantage now?" Sean Wayne's a, the Wigan coach, but he he laughed it off and he he says. He expects Sean Wayne to pick the best. To be fair, Alex Wormsley is probably the sort of player that actually suits the way Sean Wayne yeah. plays. And, and Luke Thompson. Yeah. Um, and just on Luke Thompson, I think that it's a great move for him. Um, I think he's at the right stage in his career now to to make the the move over to the NRL. English forwards always tend to do well in the NRL. It's, yeah. I think it's the, it's the backs that have, have struggled in recent years over there. Well, it's like Watkins um, and Hall have gone over there, and you know you still, you know, I know Watkins only went sort of back end the last season, but. You didn't really hear much of them, no. did you? In comparison, right, to Ryan Hall, a couple of injuries didn't help him, did it? Because he's clearly a, a, a mm. world class mm. winger. But I, I agree with Drew. You know, the forwards seem to do well. Mm. You know, your James Graham. But just just touching on the Sean Wade, you know, not he's going to bring the youngsters through. Luckily for him, if that's the right word, he has no choice because he's lost Sean O'Loughlin. Mm. James Graham has finished. Sam Burgess mm-hmm. through injury. So, you know, they're three world-class, mm. experienced players. So he has no choice but to bring the next generation through. So so that's an opportunity. They can say, well, I had no choice, but wow, mm. look how well they've done. Mm. And obviously he was successful at Wigan. You get um, Gareth Willips coming yeah, towards Willips the back on, end yeah. of his career. Is that, is it 30, 30, 30, 31? Yeah, yeah so... Big opportunity for Sean Wayne. Um, I've I, got, I, I, well, I think it's done uh, George Williams a, a big favour, though. Uh, well, I mean, he's another one you mentioned about forwards, Harry, and George Williams, I suppose, is one this season that you'll be watching it at interesting. to see how interesting he does. at Cambria, yeah. Because, uh, yeah. obviously, it doesn't strike you that the Aussie clubs will give you a lot of time to bed in, whereas the other way around, if we sign an Australian halfback, they tend to get a few 
you know, a few mm. games graced, don't they? Whereas you could imagine if he has a couple of bad games early doors, yeah, he because, might get malleted. Because they got to the grand final last year, Canberra, so really the, their yeah. expectation level, it's a bit like Salford with respect yeah. to him. Salford got to a grand final, you know, all of a sudden they're talking about, they, you know, minimum made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, 12 months ago, you know, they were, they were probably one of favourites for relegation, so yeah. sometimes it's just be careful what you wish yeah. for. Yeah. There's big pressure on George. George Williams' shoulders as well at, at the Raiders because look, he's, he's replaced Aiden Caesar, he's pushed Aiden Caesar out of the team, so a lot of the Raiders fans will be expecting mm. Williams to be better than Caesar uh, straight away. Uh, mentioning Salford, actually, in your first Super League game was London versus Salford, I believe. Was, and yeah. I don't wish to make you sound old, but that was actually on my 11th birthday, that <laughs> right. game. Thank you. I think I was, must have been 13 then. <laughs> what, do you remember much from the game? or? Uh, no. No, it's all a bit of a... They could have got you on nearer home, couldn't they? The London they could, on. yeah. I think that was just to get me out of the way and just to see what it was like. But I think it's like like most things, you know, you you, you set yourself little goals and, and uh, I didn't start refereeing until I was 30. You know, it seems it's so changed now. You know, back in, in the, the 90s, you know, people almost either finished the, ref, uh, the playing career or waited till they were established adults before they took up refereeing. Now... Um, you know, if, if you haven't virtually made it by the time you're 23, 24, you're almost you know, too old, written off. Oh, I can't go into refereeing, I'm, I'm already 24 type of thing. And it, it, it was a case of, you know, that was just, you had to wait till you were in your 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was, God, 99 was 99 that was, yeah. Just tell yeah, us a little bit what, it, what it's like, what it's like being a full-time ref and what that looks like. Um... As a, I'll, I'll just nip on the, the, the part-time ref. As a part-time ref, obviously all the refs then had full-time jobs and when you refereed a Super League game, every single person connected with that Super League game uh, when the refs were part-time was full-time. The players, the coaching staff, you know, every every single person. So then I'd do a full day's work and all the other wo- lads would and then we'd rock up, you know, after doing a full day's work and, and, try, to, and, yeah, and try to do a Wigan Saints game or, <laughs> a, you know, a Leeds Bradford game or a Lokiara or whatever it was. You know, and that had to change. You know, the game demanded that we had to be more professional and full-time. I was as professional as I possibly could be, but on a part-time basis. You know, I'd I'd work all day, then I'd train at night. You didn't get to be with the group of lads except for two or three sessions a month. Mm. You know, so... And as a full-time ref, when I was full-time, if your game was a Sunday, uh, we'd do a pool session on a Monday, do your your review of your game with your coach... Uh, and then Tuesday you'd train hard on a Tuesday go into a group review Wednesday you were day off Thursday because when I ref they didn't have the Thursday night game it was Friday or Saturday then or Sunday um, so you train on a Thursday go into your preview so you'd look at the teams that you, you had uh, you'd talk to the other lads as a collective and you'd say right I've got such a body and they'd say this is a player they've started putting on let's have a look at it we'd look at it on the screen We'd look at protagonists who was going to cause you most trouble and, and just really get you into that game mode of, right, this is what I've got, this is how I want to set it up. And, and um, So that was Thursday, and depending on when your game was, how your, your weekend panned out regarding food, nutrition, extra training. It was just a wonderful, wonderful life. You know, if, if, if any people who are watching this want to become referees, I'd really, you know... Um, I know I talk about some of the negativities and the abuse and, and mm. the verbal stuff that does have an impact uh, on the refs, but it's a fantastic career. 
Yeah. You know, I loved the game. You, you, you opened me up my DNA as rugby league, and I was rubbish as a player. So the next best thing for me was refereeing, and it, it's a great career. You finished in 2010. Mm. Is there a bit of regret that you finished that early? Oh, absolutely. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, it came off the back of a Hull versus Leeds game at the KC where I sent off Lee Radford for punching Ryan Bailey. <laughs> Um, you mentioned protagonist to be fair yeah, <laughs> uh, what, that was a Sky game and unfortunately what I hadn't seen was that just before Lee Radford stood up and punched Ryan uh, was that Ryan Bailey had elbowed Lee on the ground now going back to the video ref and the Chris Hill incident Thierry Alliberg was my video ref uh, and he saw a replay of the incident just before Lee had punched Ryan and he couldn't tell me because that went against mm. policy and um, and unfortunately, I made the wrong decision. Sent off Lee Radford, and then they showed it on the big screen. <laughs> uh, all the fans realised I got it wrong. And from that, after the game, Hull lost. Leeds, Leeds scored two late drives, one eighteen fourteen. And when I got back in the changing room, the police match commander who was in there said that he couldn't guarantee me safe passage to my car after because there were about three or four hundred Hull fans who wanted to rip my head off. I think that's what they wanted to rip off. <laughs> uh, and they had to go and... I had to give me police, another policeman my car keys and he went and got my car and drove it into the stadium by a different exit uh, entrance. And just all that um, emotional stuff, I just wasn't ready for. Mm. Not to that degree. I'd, I'd had, obviously, I'd been loads of abuse before, but not to that degree. And then Stuart gave me an opportunity, Stuart Cummings at the time, to go on the coaching staff. And it was the wrong question at the wrong time in where I was in the wrong frame of mind. Mm. Uh, and I just made a really irrational decision to retire from referee. And I miss it every day. I have a mm. knot the size of a fist in my stomach because mm. I love it. Mm. You know, I loved, you know, as soon as I got all that whistle, you know, it was like my revolving door. I had a different mm. persona. And, and, you know, again, I talked about the negativities, but there's nothing better than, than running out on a field, that adrenaline buzz, that high, of, of being on a pitch with all these wonderful professional players at elite level mm. and I'll never replicate that mm. you know even though I love what I do with State of Mind by the way <laughs> yeah. it, I mean so was it that the whole you didn't want to put yourself in that position where if you refereed another game that that might happen again was that... it, yeah it, I think it was just the perfect storm everything came together at that time that made me just go I've had enough mm. Um Maybe Vance to sent him off. Maybe Vance to had to have an escort to my car. Maybe Stuart then wouldn't have asked me. Maybe if he did, I wasn't ready. And it, mm. it was just it was just that perfect storm where everything aligned for me to make the worst decision of me of my professional career to retire. Did, did, did the RFL offer you any support during that time? Or uh, no, because it because you didn't ask for support. We we had a couple of uh, clinicians that used to come in. Um but we we didn't ask for that support because one, um, talking about mental health was such a taboo subject. Mm. You know, this is pre Terry Newton. Yeah. You know, you know, God Ten bless him. Ago, yeah. This is Terry Newton before Terry Newton took his own life. So even after Terry took his own life, it was like shock, horror. You know, how on earth can we allow these, you know, people like Terry to slip through the net? So nobody talked about it. I didn't want to say to the other refs, God, how do you deal with that? Mm. You know, because I didn't want them to think, ooh. You know, because there's, unlike all your teams, they all want to get to a grand final. They all want to win a Challenge Cup final. There's only one grand final, one Challenge Cup final, and the refs are incredibly competitive. You know, they want that edge. They want to make sure that they're they better than the next person mm. to get that big game. 
So a lot of it, you don't show your emotions, you don't ask for help in that field because you don't want to be seen, be seen to be weak mentally and emotionally. And to be honest, I thought I was. I thought I was pathetic. Mm. I thought, what on earth are you getting upset by people who are abusing you? So you don't. You just put this stoic face on and this, there's nothing wrong type of thing. And, and it's such a shame. And that, and that obviously sort of underpins your work with state of mind now mm. i know obviously me and you've sat in plenty of sessions and stuff like that and and i i, I said to you earlier i think I, I remember you saying you were doing a game i think it was at lee where you were walking from your car before the game and people mm. were like oh it's, it's ian yeah. smith you know yeah and, and, and you... that's and that's a regular and that's a regular with all of them you know 90 minutes before kickoff 90 minutes before your professional work uniform on you told you're a joke you're a disgrace you're a cheat you know, and yeah, some come up and, and it's a little bit of banter, shake your hand, hey, come on in, you, I hope you're better this week than last week. But some of it's incredibly verbal and incredibly vocal and incredibly abusive, mm. you know, and we're just expected to laugh it off because it's banter. Mm. You know, well, well, one person's banter is another person's bullying, so just be careful how you say it. And um, and do you think that's, a, obviously we've seen a lot of referees walk away from the game in, in recent years and... You know, I, I think you feel that that abusive side is is one of the main problems with not only making refs turn away from the game, but struggle recruiting new refs. Oh, recruitment and retention is, is is huge. You know, the the recruitment side of it. Why on earth, when you see what you see, especially now on social media, why on earth would you want to go into that environment where you know that no matter what decision you give, somebody is going to have a go at you, mm. uh, very verbally. Uh, very vociferous and sometimes threatening you know Robert Tix had to meet somebody down here yeah, uh, yeah. Warrington yeah. Uh, a fan who sent a death threat mm. a death threat through missing a forward pass or a knock mm. on you know what sort of a world are we living in that, 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 you, will send a, yeah. that you will send that so if, if I was trying to recruit referees you know what's my sales pitch well do you know something every single decision you make is under massive amount of scrutiny you'll be doing it having run 11 kilometres you'll do it with your heart rate four times more than your normal resting heart rate and you will not please anybody and you'll have people coming at you after the game giving you so much verbal abuse and the money's poor <laughs> yeah. on top of all that <laughs> whoopie doo yeah. you know and, and, and people just go you know they say let's get uh, ex-players in you know, but players, first and foremost, players, their instinct is as a player. Mm. A referee, first instinct as a referee. Now, I always use the analogy regarding speaking a different language. So, if I, if I want to speak French, mm. I listen to it in English, I translate it in my thoughts, and I speak it in French. And for me, and that takes time, and that's mm. for me is why players that have started refereeing and not as good and not as quick thinking yeah. as a referee because they see the incident as a player they translate it what it should be as a ref mm. and then they deliver the decision as a ref but that loop and that time takes too long mm. as soon as you blow your whistle people want to know and you see multiple decisions going on and the referee's got to go right that's that that's that that's that that's that right this is what it is mm. you know it's like that decision with the the charge down as soon as chris can uh, kendall yeah. give that decision on friday i knew exactly what it was i knew exactly that he judged that yeah. it was a rising ball it wasn't oh let's have a look at a replay because that's Your what instinct. i am I, yeah. that's my instinct i'm a referee and referee's instinct is as a referee and players and referees are still a million miles apart yeah yeah I mean, obviously, it's a, 
you know, it always generates lots of debate on on the decision mm. side of things and that. And and ultimately, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a game without the referee. And, and people maybe are quick to forget. Absolutely. Forget about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, you know, a lot of people go to the game to try and vent some anger. You know, yeah. that that might have happened in the personal, the professional, the social life during the week. And it's right. I'm here this weekend, and I'm going to shout and ball. Now, you either shout and ball at the opposition players, but it's so easy to shout and ball at the ref. He's a pantomime villain. Yeah. He's a person that's turned up every week just to spoil your enjoyment. And you know, Summer, he or she is having it this week. And, uh, and, and we've got to change that mentality yeah. because the referee is very much an, an integral part of the game. You um, there's some really good. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot with this, no, here, right. but there's some really good stats that you always use in your state of mind sessions. Um, can you remember the one about the decision? How many decisions is it a game? Oh, they, they reckon there's about twenty five thousand judgments in a game because you've got all the ten meters, the markers, the eleven hundred passes. You know the two hundred fifty player the balls where you've got two markers, you've got the acting half, uh, you've got all the tens, all the kicks, all the scrums, all the different people. So. If you were to actually make an individual judgment on every single one of them, they reckon there's in, in the region of twenty five thousand judgments per you know, game. Per game. Uh, and you know, we and they still do uh, GPS and heart rate data. So GPS, a referee will run between ten and eleven kilometers in eighty minutes. Mm. You guys run for eleven kilometers, listen to music, you will be tired yeah. without making a decision. You know, I would lose two litres in sweat. I would burn 1,700 calories, pretty much a day's calories. My average heart rate was 155 beats a minute. It would max out to 178, and I'd kick the game off at 134. Um, if I'm sat at home with a remote control watching rugby on telly, my resting heart rate is high 40s, low 50s. At least, so, at least you could eat whatever you wanted after time. the game. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Where did you yeah. go then, Ian, after yeah, the game? Well, <laughs> it depends. Some of, some of the grounds have fantastic food. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the good thing about we we used to have a nutritionist, you know, and I could eat 3,374 calories a day. <laughs> now if I eat that much, I think I'll uh, <laughs> But, you know, it, it's but what people don't understand when they sat at home. And somebody tweeted a picture of me uh, I don't remember the decision on Friday night where there's a pass inside and the touch judge missed it where the foot was on the touch line and oh the one where Hardik scored Hardik went, went back, through the yeah. score and they went back and somebody tweeted me this picture and said look what is he looking at there his foot is clearly on the line mm. so, but he's, look, he's probably looking at the foot and he assumes that the ball has already left because it's not illegal to put your foot on the line. Oh, yeah, if it's, it's only, it's well, I mean, it's almost like peripheral vision because you can't look absolutely. at where the ball yeah, is absolutely. on the touchline. So he's got to try and get peripheral vision. He's probably focused on the foot, assuming that the ball's come out. And, and it's a freeze frame. Mm. Of course it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. But you try running up and down and all around and all this sort, and then, in whatever minute, then come up with that decision that is not in freeze frame. You know, just quickly, I know... No, 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 no. Uh, players are allowed to make mistakes. Mm. You know, if if you two have got an overlap, he passes it to you. All you've got to do is catch the ball and go in the corner and you drop the ball and it goes into touch. People will come up and don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Great positioning. So, all right. Referee misses up that pass that goes in the corner. Oh, my God. Mm. All hell lets loose. Mm. So, the expectation of the players... Uh, sorry, the expectation of the referee's performance is far higher than the expectation the of the players. Players can miss a tackle. Mm. Sonny Bill Williams, <laughs> on ridiculous amounts of money... His first two touches of the ball, he dropped it. 
if Ben Thaler had made two major mistakes like that that, that yeah. give the ball to the opposition, he'd have been pilloried. Mm. But mm. yet, the, you know, arguably the world's most expensive player can. Well, no argument well, about it. Well, is. I, no, I, I was going to say the world's best player. He could, pay for, an awful, <laughs> he could <laughs> pay for an awful lot of referees he with could, his salary. Um, before we look ahead to the weekend's games, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about, Ian, and I'm not sure how you feel about this. Gareth Hock, 2008, manhandling incident involving you as a referee you got a five match ban yeah. now manhandling the ref became quite fashionable after this you, you never <laughs> you never heard of it before then but then what's happened there used to be bans coming up every week contact with the referee what 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 sort of happened in that situation and 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 what what's the sort of the procedure that you have to follow after something <clears throat> um it was quite a, a strange one really because what people don't understand is during the game that the, the referee is, is heightened. You know, his emotions are running high. And, and I, give, I give a knock on and it were either, I either give a goal line dropout or a tap 20. It was in the in goal area. And whatever I'd given, obviously Gareth thought it was wrong. So as I give the decision, he's right next to me and he literally grabs my shoulder and just, just, yeah, once I pulls me around like that. But I think because I was in such shock because that's not what you expected. As soon as I felt my me, me shoulder turn around like that, you know, I just said, get off, off you go. Mm. And to refer to him, he went off. Brian Noble, who was a Wigan coach then, phoned me in the morning and said, you know, look, Gareth Ox asked for your number. Can he please phone you uh, to apologise? I said, well, he can by all means. However, the report's gone through, this and the other, and whatever he receives by the disciplinary, that's what he'll receive. And he said he has no problem with that. Mm. But <coughs> he realised that... Uh, he didn't mean to do it, mm. but it was it was, instinct, it yeah. was instinct. And he phoned me up. He said, Ian, I'm really sorry. I said, Gareth, absolutely fine. Uh, I had no choice but to send you off. Because uh, it was a bit of a shock as well. Mm. He said, it's fine. And he, he got he got five yeah, matches. Yeah. I thought, I'd have been happy with three. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought yeah. three matches, to be yeah. fair, was about right. I, I mean, thought five was a little bit excessive, but... It, you know, it, that's not my decision. Because we've seen Chris Oston do it at Witness, didn't we? Yeah, where, twice where with it, Phil Bentham. Yeah. We were talking about that before, weren't we? That's, yeah. that's where yeah. Bentham got, got injured, Never, didn't never refereed again yeah, since. Yeah. Uh, damaged nerve and, and, a, disc, and a, a disc in his neck. Uh, and has never refereed again. Mm. You know, it's such a shame because he's one of the best refs of all time. And he, he was clearly, head and shoulders, the best ref in the game at the time. Mm. Um, he didn't get anything for the first time he knocked him over. But I think he got three for yeah, the second. Yeah, yeah. second but, they were, but both of them were very subjective, weren't they? They were very like, you, you, no one could possibly... You, uh, well, you, the look on your face suggests otherwise. But to me, watching the videos, it was almost a bit like there was didn't appear to be any deliberate or malice or in it, but you... Oh, look, uh, it, was, it was a kick and Phil's turned round. Now, as a player... You uh, now, the ref to now, be now, now, bear in mind, I, I like Chris Harrison. I did quite a bit with him at the witness offload, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he's very prevalent regarding mental health. So, you know, this is not against Chris per se. But uh, as players, they, they coached every single day to do fast foot feet, evasion, mm. understand peripheral vision, and they do all these ladder works, and they do everything they can to change direction in a split second. Now, were your cameras there... Mm. If, if I kick a ball over your camera, mm. if I look at the wall at the back, I mm. can still see the camera. Mm. So even though I might be looking at that yeah, light on that back wall, I can still see a camera. And Phil had a different colour on, so yeah. it weren't like he was pushing. Yeah. So Phil's not ready for contact. He had the rest, the, the, the camera, yeah, yeah, so he had all that the wire daft and all that. Yeah. backpack that they have to wear now. <laughs> um, and, and Chris... 
there was enough there that Chris he could have should gone have gone round, round him, mm-hmm. you know. And just to say, I'm looking at the ball, I didn't see him. I'm looking at the ceiling, I can still see yeah, that tripod, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And I thought it was poor. They, they did clamp down on it though a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Gareth. Like I've had, I was actually at two games where he got he got done for similar things. Where one I don't remember seeing it in the game, but another one was where I think he 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 ended up going into the in goal official after a try or something like that and got sent off. Um, that was about 2014 where yeah, some of it's just sometimes it's emotion just, and, but yeah. you, you've, the, there's just certain things you can't do I know in Australia they've, they've virtually got it the other way around where you can't literally you know excuse me yeah, you, you know, and, that, and it's yeah. literally you can't touch mm. you know God, the amount of times I've had players say, yeah, yeah, just let yeah, me, yeah. You know, and it's not, they're not doing anything wrong. Diff- it's just, you know, yeah. that's different. I've had players standing on your foot because they're coming back to the line, they know you're there. And they, oh, they know exactly where you're Trust me. What, um, just before we go on the fixes, I know I keep saying that, but what do you think of the dual ref system in Australia? Uh, I don't like it. You don't like no, it? No, no, I don't, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it breeds inconsistency. I'll set a game up for four or five sets and all of a sudden my oppo's going to do the next three different personalities. Do I, do, does he, even though he's listening to you, does he know really what's, what the, how, how I'm seeing the, the, mm. the speed of the rook and the 10 metres and the verbal and then all of a sudden, if, with respect, if you're an inferior referee to me, Will they challenge you a little bit more? Will yeah. they stand in front of you? Will they hold on? And, and I think it's... Is it, so is it more of a case of authority, do you think? Uh, I think they, they brought it in because if somebody's at the back of the tackle, the players are less likely to leg pull. Yeah, but it's almost like managing the play. The second ref, it feels like they're just there to almost manage a, yeah. a clean play the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, they are called a, a pocket ref, but then... I, I don't even think the Australians particularly enjoy it. Right. I know after the grand final last year, because of, of that... Yeah, the dynamic. Debacle. So do you no, think? Do you think? They, sorry, go on. Uh, there's been a lot of calls in this country to have the the dual ref system, but then I've noticed a lot on, on a lot of pages in Australia. A lot of their fans want to copy our rules. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just go with one ref. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you've got 23 full time referees in Australia, and they've more coaches than we've got refs. You know, yeah. they, there's more. They've got more pool of referees doing the New South Wales under twenties comp than we have the, in the older the country. Mm. So it's great to say, yeah, right, we'll we'll, we'll, have, two, we'll yeah. have two refs. We haven't really got enough for, for one, one. Yeah. around the game, let alone for two. It is so. What, what is a solution to have the pocket ref be in the pocket ref throughout? Where do you think that would be the best better uh, solution? Quite, quite possibly, but so then you almost have one kick down field and then they're moving. I don't know whether you've noticed at the moment, but if there's a play the ball within ten meters of the touchline. The touch judge yeah, will come in and stand on, up. Yeah. Over. So almost when things are within ten meters of the touchline, the touch judge is almost coming on yeah, and, and almost being like the, the job of the pocket ref. Yeah. So if, if you've a pitch that's sixty-five meters wide, you've ten there, ten there. So the referee can just control mm. the middle forty-five. Mm. So I, I've never been a lover of two. I went out to Australia in two thousand fourteen, and I did a lot of research with uh, listening to a lot of tapes because you know when John Sharp was head of the refs with Blake, Solly and, and one or two others, they thought about bringing the two refs in. Mm. Um, and I listened to a lot of voice tapes of the refs and they were just contradicting each other. What yeah. also lost, sorry to just no, no. But going on there, what they also lost was the rapport with the players because they were too busy talking Talk to, to each, each other. other right. right, you take this set, yeah, right. And all of a sudden, the one thing that, you know, the older refs in particular used to really like was the refs would talk. Russell Smith was probably the best talker 
to players. Mm. You know, there was along with your Dave Campbells, if you're going back to yesteryear, because it'd be like, hey, come on, mm. I need another yard out of you, Drew. You're just pinching a little bit. But I, I in Australia, they've lost that mm. because they're too busy talking yeah. to each other. Mm. You know, and I, I think Ben Thaler, to be fair, Ben Thaler talks hell of a lot to players. Mm. You know, he tries to get a rapport. Now, if Ben had a, a pocket ref, he'd be like, oh, who am I talking to you? Yeah. And, to you? and that's not a crack at Ben, by the way. No, it's just yeah. a case of... That's yeah. just a natural you know, thing. It's just a natural thing. You know, some refs like to have that rapport with players and think you get more out of it. And that's, that's the camp I'm in. Brilliant, brilliant insight there, Ian. Um, we'll look ahead to this weekend then. Super League, I mean, Warrington haven't had the easiest start, have they? I mean, St. Helens on Thursday. How do you see that one going, Drew? I've not even made my predictions yet. But I'll have to tip St. Helens. Um, I was really impressed with Irwin over Salford last week. I expected it to be much of a closer game, a close contest. I was a little bit let down by Salford, but Saints were on fire. Um, I'm a massive fan of, of Jack Wellsby. The stuff he can do at just 18 years of age. A lot of people were saying, why, why haven't Saints recruited in the off-season? Well, that's why. You've got young kids like James Bentley, Jack, Jack Wellsby, and Aaron Smith who were coming through. Uh, it, was, it was already Super League standard. Uh, I'll tip. I'll tip Saints by ten. Ian, uh, I tip Saints by sixteen. Oof. I think. I think they. I think they'd be just too good. I thought they, they were outstanding. I think people. For, um, we've almost like forgot how much over the <laughs> off season you forgot how much they were so much better than everyone else. Weren't yeah. they? It wasn't even close. Sixteen points they won yeah. the league by. Sixteen yeah. points. That's eight wins. In front of yeah. uh, second and third. Um, Friday night's games, um, the Sky game, I presume, is Hull, Hull, Hull KR. Yeah. Yeah, and then Casford Wigan is also on Friday. Um, I believe Hull KR have had 4,000 Mossima Soy masks printed. Uh, I'll have to get you one it, of them. Is it, is it a, it's Hull, at Hull FC. It's at Hull, Hull FC. FC. But yeah, they've four, you've got to go Hull FC, haven't you? They've had 4,000 masks mm. um, done. So I think at the 10th minute, they're all being told to put this oh. mask on and then Sky are going to pan around the ground. So that'll That's be a, a nice little touch. A nice touch. So, what what are you saying? And Hull and Wigan. I, I really like the look of of Hull. Uh, the forward pack, as you mentioned before, it, it's enormous, isn't it? It's big, biggest pack in the comp. Uh, I think Lee Radford said a couple of times in the off season, if the, like it's made no secret that they, they just want to bully oppos- opposition teams uh, this year, and I think they will do that an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to go Hull FC by. 14, uh, oh, as soon as it's a derby, and I'll go. I'll go Wigan by eight. I think it'll be. But, but they've, they've found uh, Castleford a tough place to go mm. in recent years. Um, yeah. Uh, it's quite funny, really, because players, uh, teams are a, a, a mirror image of their coach, and you talk about bullying. Lee Radford was <laughs> uh, I'm not saying he was a bully a bully on the field because yeah. of his aggression yeah. and he's now <coughs> excuse me he's now got a team that are aggressive and they're you know that's what he was well, I suppose he the, Bradford, drive, the Bradford packs but, that he played oh, in like that, tremendous yeah. but I, al- I also uh, the derby will, will make a difference if, if, if it wasn't I know they are obviously it's a derby but on paper Hull should win that by 28 but because it is a derby, I'm going 10 to Hull. Hull, Hull to 10. And yeah. Cass Wigan? Um, even though Wigan won, I wasn't massively impressed with Wigan. Uh, and I thought Castleford were pretty good. Against an ordinary defensive Toronto yeah. team, to be fair. So I'm going to go uh, 
Cast by four. Cast by four. Saturday, Salford, Toronto. This is an interesting one because I was really disappointed with Salford uh, last week. and I, I know everyone were expecting Saints to win anyway, but uh, that margin, I didn't expect that. Um, but I was also really disappointed with uh, Toronto at Cast. I thought they would, some of the defence at times was atrocious uh, from the Wolfpack, especially out wide. I, I, I thought Castleford nicked uh, more than a couple of tries that they shouldn't have scored. Um, so I'll be going with Salford, home advantage, even though Toronto play Manchester, uh, training Manchester as well. I'll go to uh, Salford, sorry, by 22. Ooh, yeah. Right. Well, I think it's a flip of a coin. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think Toronto can have as bad a kicking game. Everything was lateral, 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 and mm. they give the they turn the ball over on the halfway line instead of kicking it deep. If they do that again, mm. Salford will murder them. Mm. Uh, if they have a good kicking game, um, I'm saying a draw. A draw? You're going for a draw, are Yeah, you? and then, is it still golden point? Golden point, yeah. And then an I'm extra going, 10 minutes I'm for the ref and run around. I'm going Salford on a golden point. Salford on a golden point. A bold shout. You'll get plenty for that at the bookies, Ian. <laughs> um, and then Sunday, it's Huddersfield Leeds, Wakefield against Catalan, so... Um, Huddersfield Leeds will be very interesting because Huddersfield obviously started the season so well. And I fancy Huddersfield. Yeah, I, right. I, I, think I, I think I might tip Huddersfield this week. I'll go Huddersfield by two. It's a teaser penalty goal. Push the ball. <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree. I think um, I think Huddersfield... I, di- I didn't watch the game, but reading the reports, and mm. you know, I thought believe they were outstanding mm. and I thought Leeds were ordinary mm. you know now unless Leeds really up, up the game yeah they've had a rocket yeah they'll have to have a, a rocket won't they you know because they've, they've clearly got the personnel but it's not just about personnel is it it's about on the day yeah, and I yeah. think others feel I think others feel by four I, I just think there's, there's too much pressure on Luke Gale's shoulders at Leeds this year. I think even though they've got Rob Lewis and, and Marlon, yeah, yeah. even yeah, I th- I, is it, they're I, relying I, on Luke Gale to be this superstar signing. But we need to remember that Luke Gale's not played a competitive game for eighteen months before last week. I, my mm. issue with Leeds is I'm just I worry about Hooker. I mean I know Leeming was injured, so didn't play. But I think I, part of me thinks that that's what they're missing. They've not got a, a top class Hooker that a lot of the other teams mm. have got. And I think, ultimately, the hook is the key position in the modern game because they dictate the tempo. They decide which way the ball goes from dummy half. They decide, you know, whether it's a fault, you know, what plays they do. And I just, part of me worries about Leeds, whether that's what they're missing rather than... Mm. Leeds played know. well when Sean Lunt and Matt Parcell were, was nine. They had some yeah. more direction. Because uh, Dwight, Dwight, you know, don't get me wrong, Dwight's good off the bench, you know, adds a bit of pace, you know, quick, quick scoots from dummy half, but... He's not, not an, up, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, and and I think that's maybe where they've got to. There'll be a lot of attention on Wakefield Catalan if uh, Israel Falau plays. Um, do you think it'll be an emotionally charged Wakefield win? Well, yeah, I've said I've said it a couple of times as well. It's a, it's it's a shame, really, uh, that Keegan Hurst has made the move to to uh, <laughs> to Halifax because there there could have been a a bit of extra spice in in that one, couldn't there? Um, but this is an interesting one for both sides because. Catalans obviously were atrocious last week, and uh, I think Wakefield uh, going on, on the back of round one, I think they're going to struggle. So it's it's going to be um, golden point draw, golden point. It's, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it'll be it'll make for good view in this game anyway. Um, is it? It's Wakefield. Is that Wakefield, yeah. I'll go Wakefield by six. Um, 
because I, I, didn't, I didn't see Wakefield or Catalan. I don't know why the reason why Catalan won. I don't know whether they got beat up or whether they were complacent mm. or, or, you know, it was just a first first hit mm. out poor. Um, I think Catalan are the better players. Mm. Uh, and I think over the, no disrespect to Wakefield, by the way, but I think over the, the full squad, Catalan have the better players. And I think if you've got the better players, generally you'll win. Mm. Um, so I'm going with Catalan by six. I like this having a, a guest on because it means I don't have to do the predictions. <laughs> um, the championship fixtures this week are Lee versus Sheffield, Toulouse versus Oldham. Are you going France in? You no, I'm not. I'd love no. the chip to yeah, France. I, I would have done, yeah. Uh, London, Whitehaven, Swinton, Dewsbury, Witness, Batley, top of the league, Witness. Um, York, Bradford, Featherstone against Halifax. Featherstone, Halifax is the hour league game this week, quarter past six on Sunday if you want to watch that. Ian, thanks very much for coming on. Oh, hang on, Drew's got his special. He's got a quick fire question. Oh, as quick as you can. You could have done it before. Go on. Favourite game you've refereed? Wigan Saints on a good Friday when I should have sent off Terry Newton for breaking Sean Long's jaw. I'll never ever forget it. So, what's your career highlight? Uh, certainly not that. <laughs> um, I I never refereed a major grand final or a Challenge Cup final, but I video refed a couple of them, and I video refed the one where uh, Ben Flower got sent off, oh. and, and that was an amazing night for probably all the wrong reasons. Um, but I, I, when I started refereeing, I never thought I'd, I'd referee just short of three hundred matches in Super League. So I'm going to say every one of them was the highlight. So, uh, what's your best rugby memory? You don't. You, you don't have to be a rep for this one. It could be as a fan. Oh my god! Or it could be outside of the game. Um, I think it's when Oldham scored a try against the touring Australians in '86, um, and we still lost, but we came really close. And at Watersheddings, that it was just phenomenal. It was just a fantastic night that we pushed this great Australian team um, all the way. And as a young as a young lad then, because in '86, well, I'd have only you'd only been about four, would you? I'd only just been born. (laughs) (laughs) Your favourite rule in the game? Oh, um, I really like the forty twenty when they brought that in. You know, I I thought it it adds to the kicking game. I believe that they might be thinking about bringing a twenty forty in. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. They're doing like the NRL thing, aren't they? I I like the forty twenty. Good, good. Uh, What rule would you change in the game? Uh, oh my god what what rule would I change oh I know it's supposed to be quick fire uh, I'd, I'd change where you're not allowed to trap the ball at the back of the scrum video referee good or bad oh good uh, most annoying player which player was more the, the, uh, the nuisance am I allowed to say Danny Bruff are we allowed to yeah, uh, say <laughs> he, I hope you're not watching <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the worst the worst captain that I ever a referee was a guy called Jim Dimmock it was a rubber, oh, uh, an Aussie London, legend, yeah. London. Oh my God! Every time I penalise London, he will go apoplectic. So I'm going with Jim Dimmock because just because he's bad. Favorite ground? Uh, oh, favorite ground. I like I like Uddersfield. Uddersfield was uh, was good. Uh, the KC is a, a phenomenal stadium, but generally for all the wrong reasons <laughs> for me. But uh, I, I won't mind refereeing at, at the new Edinley Stadium. It looks yeah, it looks, looks awesome. Good, yeah. But no, I'm going with um, Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah. Donny School for Paul, Phil Vivas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think Danny Schofield was a brilliant forward, and I think Phil Vivas was a brilliant back. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, was the easiest captain to deal with? Uh, oh my word! Uh, Paul Scullard. We'll say Paul. He weren't, but I'll, I'll go. With, <laughs> if we're talking about the Scullards, I'll go with Paul. Uh, nicest compliment you have or comment? Uh, oh, you got that one. You got that one right. It's not like you to get that right. <laughs> um, most embarrassing moments. Uh, oh, when I got uh, I got pushed over by. Which was the Smith that played at St. Helens? Was it Darren Smith or Jason Smith? Darren Smith, I think. Was it Darren at Saints? Uh, yeah, I got, I got pushed over on Sky on Friday night. I was, I was going into the Ingall area and I got in his way and as he come through, he pushed me and, and it took me ages to fall. Uh, and, and I was watching uh, Soccer AM, believe it or not, on the Saturday morning. Never, ever watched it. And on Soccer AM at that time, they said, "Yeah, hey, I watched this. This is the most embarrassing moment. And it showed me falling. And then they, they kept pausing it and rewinding it. So I fell about 25 times. And, and oh, the look on my face. I looked an absolute muppet. So that was the most embarrassing moment. And finally, what's your, your prized possession? Oh, my prized possession. Uh, I, I can't even send my whistle because I, I, I lost it last year. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I refereed a charity game and for some reason it's, it's gone missing. Uh, I have a couple of, of shirts uh, that, from when I refed in Super League and, uh, you know, they, they were... I don't even know where they are. They're probably in a drawer somewhere <laughs> at the bottom. But I got a, a couple of referee of the year back in the late 90s and uh, that's what set my career off and, you know, they're still very cherished. Brilliant. Ian, thanks very much for no your time. Problem. Thanks for coming in. We'd love to have you in again very Anytime. soon as well. Um, we'll go on the hunt for another Smith for next week. You've been watching the Last Tackle podcast on loverubbeleague.com. Please give us a subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to comment and like all the videos on Facebook as well. And we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.